to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Let that be the only gospel that you call your own. The preaching of Jesus Christ. In just a moment, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 10. We're going to look at some verses together that conclude there, at least in the thought, with the importance of preaching. And how will those hear that preaching? How can they call on the one that's proclaimed? How can it be given or revealed unto them unless a preacher is sent? And how beautiful are the feet. Now let me assure you, my feet are not beautiful. I want to assure you that. They're not. No one wants to see my toenails and my feet. I promise. But if they're bringing the gospel, the Bible says it's beautiful. So it's not that my feet are physically beautiful. It's not that I within myself have any beauty, but the message of the one that brings the glad tidings of the truth of God's Word unto you, there's the beauty. That's serene, the message that the one is bringing. According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, do you realize how blessed you are to live under the New Testament where the mystery of the gospel that was contained from the foundation of the world has been revealed openly. And we live in such a country and we've been so blessed that we have this freely without any fear of governmental interference in any way. We can read our Bibles. We can worship freely. We can stand for what we understand by the Scriptures that's been revealed in its entirety and given to all under the New Testament. That's something to be thankful for. But now is made manifest by the Scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to how many nations? All nations. And here's their responsibility. For the obedience of faith. If you're a part of a nation, you have a responsibility to be obedient to God. If you are an individual who has been given the gift of life, the breath of life, breathe into our nostrils to become a living being and soul, you have an obligation unto the one who gave it. And that obligation is obedience through faith to the Holy Scriptures that have been proclaimed, been given as the oracles of God. We have the teachings. We can possess it and we can know it. To the only wise God be glory through Jesus Christ forever. And then the Holy Spirit says through the writer, I agree. Amen. So the Spirit says that there is agreement and congruence between what Jesus said and what God has authorized. Go please with me. Six chapters to the left. 
to one of the most popular chapters in the entirety of the Bible. Romans chapter 10. Just about any Christian that I know or I have the privilege of coming into contact with or anyone that considers themselves to be godly knows some scriptures from Romans chapter 10, don't they? They know verse 9. They know verse 10 and perhaps verse 14 of this chapter. Let's study the chapter in its entirety once again. And let's realize that God expects us to have zeal. He expects us to be dedicated. He expects us to stand and believe and respond to what the Bible says by faith, but to do that according to what is right. There's many individuals that believe and have zeal, but sadly, it's not according to knowledge in regards to what the Bible truly teaches because they will not take the time to rightly divide the word of truth and study what the Bible has to say. So let's notice the first two verses together which were read in our hearing just a few moments ago by Brother Price, I believe, Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire. This is the Apostle Paul speaking about his own kinsmen. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is this, that they may be saved. Brother Baker, are you saying that Paul just said that in his understanding, Israel was not saved? That's exactly what he just said. And why were they not in the same condition? Well, the Bible tells us. Notice verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. And if we stopped right there, that would be a compliment unto the Israelites, wouldn't it? But that is not the end of the verse. But that zeal is not in OT, according to knowledge. Now, that's not only the Israelites. We know many individuals that profess to know God, speak highly of God but their belief and their practice and their faithfulness is outside of the scope of what the Bible has to say. They have a zeal. They have a love. They have a dedication. But it's not according to knowledge. God would have us all to come to the saving knowledge of the truth. It's our responsibility to study, to show ourselves approved. It's also my responsibility as a preacher and a teacher to make sure that what I proclaim unto you is indeed according to the knowledge of the Bible. Sadly, not all speakers take that responsibility with the weight that they ought to. Verse 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Simply put, you cannot come to God on your own terms. I want to say that again. You cannot successfully come to God on your own terms. You cannot say, God, this is what I am willing to do. 
I'm not interested in what you want for my life. It's all about me. And therefore, you must accept me on my terms. I'm going to establish my own way. Now you may say, Brother Baker, who would be foolish and arrogant enough to say something like that? I don't think it's arrogance. I don't think it's foolishness. I think individuals change the Word of God without realizing it. They say, I want an easy way. I want a way that fits my mold, my busy schedule, and I want to change God to make Him like me instead of changing myself to be more Christ-like. And in doing so, whether intentional or not, a person establishes their own righteousness. Please remember that Jesus said that we are His sheep he is the great shepherd, and his sheep heed and listen to his voice. And by doing so, they come through the straight and narrow way, the straight and narrow gate. If we're listening to any other voice that teaches any other gospel outside of what has been revealed in the Scripture, that has condemnation associated with it and it will not lead us to the straight and narrow gate. I cannot afford to establish my own righteousness. I'm not infallible. I have mistake. Make them every day. God makes no mistakes. Therefore, when we come to Him according to His righteousness, we're on the only and right have. Notice verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. That's what the Jewish individuals were doing. We don't want anything to do with Jesus. We are satisfied with the Mosaic law, with the way it has always been, and we're not going to accept Him as Messiah. So Paul reminds them, please realize that Jesus is the Deliverer who has died to establish a new covenant. And if we were to turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, we would find out that if we try to be justified by the law, well, we have fallen away from grace. Grace is found in Christ under a better covenant. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law. The man which doeth those things shall live by them. What covenant do you want to live under? Are you trying to be pleasing to the Mosaic law? Or are you trying to be pleasing to the perfect law of liberty which is truly able to set you free from sin? I remind you please that the old law just rolled sins forward year after year. They were never truly remitted. But under the new covenant, we have a high priest through the priesthood of Melchizedek who is eternal and is greater than man. Does not make mistakes himself in Jesus Christ and currently he's at the right hand of the Father in glory and he's living, resurrected to ever make intercession for the saints. That's Christian people. That's your high priest. And that's only available 
under the new covenant. We'll live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Don't say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? This is going back to trying to establish your own righteousness. Are you able to elevate yourself to heavenly realms and be like Christ in establishing your own righteousness? Well, that would indeed be arrogant and not humble to do. So don't think that you will do that, nor that you will try to bring Christ down or you will try to ascend up in any way. But notice verse 8. But what does it say? The Word is near to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And it's the Word of faith. And notice the last three words of verse 8. Which we preach. You preach the truth. Folks know what's right. I've yet to meet anyone that's living in sin and didn't know that. When you confront them with God's Word, they say... I don't want to hear that. That doesn't match up with the lifestyle that I'm living. It's not that they don't know. The Word's near. It's in your mouth. You know right from wrong. I had a little boy. When he was two years old, when I lived over two, he hurt his brother. And when I asked him, why did you do that? He cried. He just cried. I didn't teach that to him. I didn't tell him it was wrong to do that. He knew it. It was within him in that. That you should not harm innocence. And it bothered him. Now when we have someone identified that is not bothered at a young age, we take notice, don't we? When they don't have that, because that's very odd. It's very different. Individuals know. The Word is there. It's available. And in our time, in our country, in our space, we're without excuse. The Scripture is all around. We can see the handiwork of God in creation. We know that no man can make this moon go down and the sun come up. We realize when the drought comes into effect that no matter how much we dance or what we try to do, it will not rain without God's will being done. Through the years, individuals have done all kinds of things to try to make rain, to have crops, to feed ourselves. But we're not able to do it. We have to lean upon God for our provision. The Word is near. It's in your mouth. And we will proclaim that Word. That's the first response of preaching here in chapter 10. Let's continue. If you shall confess with thy mouth, what? What are you confessing with your mouth? Why, what was preached unto you? When the gospel is preached, you confess that you believe in Jesus Christ and authorize that gospel. The gospel is His death, His burial, and His resurrection. That's a confession that you make. So if we listen to the preaching, verse 8, if we keep it close to our mouths within our spiritual self, we're going to do something. Some individuals will say, here's establishing their own righteousness. If I have to do anything, I'm not interested. All I want to do is believe in Jesus and I'm done. And they'll quote this Scripture to you. Well, this Scripture says you have to do something. 
It said you had to listen, number one. There's preaching. That you had to hide it in your heart. You had to have it close to your mouth, on your mind. And then you have to confess it. That's doing something. The Bible has always taken for granted that faith means you're willing to do. You're willing to obey. Chapter 1 started with that. Chapter 16 ends with that. Acts chapter 2 talked about the call that is for all people. They were told to repent and be baptized. It took doing something. Repentance is not mentioned here at all. But it's still necessary for salvation. Because it's taught in Acts 17, 30 in Acts chapter 2. Confession was not mentioned in Acts chapter 2. Oh, but it's mentioned here, isn't it? We have to confess with our mouth or He will not confess us before the Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33. Mark 8 and verse 38. I believe. I'll obey. I will do what you ask me to do. If you listen to the preaching, keep it close to you, confess with your mouth that you believe in Jesus Christ in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Are you willing to believe the preaching and the whole counsel of God? Paul was told to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins calling on the name of the Lord in Acts 22 and verse 16. That call there can be translated prayer. Did you know that? It can be translated prayer. That was his prayer. Being baptized into Christ. Now that agrees with 1 Peter 3 and 21. A response or a pledge or an answer for a good conscience. This baptism now saves you also. Not because you washed your flesh. Because you answered, you pleaded, you respond to God. No matter what it is, confession, your first belief, turning away from sins by repentance, being immersed into Christ, faithful living, it all comes back to what was preached unto you. You're taught the Word of God. It's here. It's here. And you respond to what you believe. That's a part of salvation. For with the heart, the man believes unto righteousness. Believes what? What must you believe? Everything the Bible says about Jesus Christ. What's preached unto you. I would be remiss to preach unto you three-fourths of the truth. That's not going to do you any good. If I had a heart transplant and they woke me up and they said we had a very successful heart transplant, Mr. Baker, give you three-fourths of heart. I'd start crying, wouldn't I? Because I'm going soon. Three-fourths isn't going to do it. I want the whole counsel of God. That's what must be proclaimed. I will believe that from the heart. Did you know these individuals had already done that? In Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, they believed from the heart the doctrine that was delivered unto them and they were baptized into Christ. That's Romans 6 verses 1 through 4 and Romans 6 and verse 17. So in the book of Romans, we've seen obedience of faith in the beginning. We've seen baptism in chapter 6. We've seen confession and belief in chapter 10. And we see the ending of a reminder. 
That you must continue to be obedient to what was revealed unto you. Jesus said to teach and continue to teach and lo, I am with you even to the end of the world. That was in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three these there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And continuing to teach them to obey all things that I have commanded you. That's a timeless principle. The book of Psalms says, the sum, the whole of thy word is truth. That was true in the Old Testament and it's true here as well. The man believes from the heart unto righteousness and then you confess unto or toward salvation. Lord, I believe your word. Lord, I accept what your Bible says. I have faith. Faith comes by here. We're going to talk about that tonight in verse 17. By the Word of God, I believe the message and I will respond. It's simple, isn't it? It's easy to understand. You may say, Brother Baker, you're driving home the point. I'm trying to drive home the point. It's easy. If we will put our opinions aside, our arrogance aside, our biases, if we will humble ourselves and look into God's Word and do what it says, we're going to be on the straight and narrow path. There's going to be no question in your mind because the Scriptures say that what you believe and what you're doing is justified in the sight of God. Notice verse 11. For the Scripture says, Whosoever believes on Him shall not be ashamed. Are you ashamed of the gospel that you believed? I guarantee in your home I can find a cross. I guarantee. I guarantee I can find song lyrics on the wall that we sing with a pretty picture up in front of them in every home within my voice. I guarantee you your friends know what you believe. Whether they like it or not, they know where you stand. Because you're not ashamed you believe. I'm not ashamed of what I believe. If my life had to be demanded of me, I hope it never is. But if it was, I hope I believe enough to be like Stephen. It could be. I'm glad we live in a country where we don't worry about those things right now. But there's some countries even today we would. If we were there, life could be demanded of us simply for the belief that you have. And what do we find out through Scripture? If we were to go to the book of Acts, we find out that when individuals are persecuted, they became stronger. They leaned on one another all the more. And it made their belief more precious. I'm not scared of that word belief, are you? I know that some others have perverted that word. And they try to take belief and set it opposed to confession or set it opposed to baptism. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I'm not ashamed of the gospel at all. If you believe in Jesus, you will do what He says to do. And if you do not, you'll be condemned. That's what the last of that verse says. He that does not believe will be condemned. I'm always frustrated when individuals say, I don't have to do what the Bible says because I believe. 
Does that register with you? If you believe, you'll do what the Bible says. Even demons believe and shudder. They're not obedient. You believe and you are obedient. You must come to Him. You must believe that He is. And He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. That's faith. That is faith properly defined. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon Him. Now notice our concluding verse. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's that saying? It's for everybody. Did you notice the previous verse? That's why that's there. There's no difference in Jew and Gentile. That's what they were dealing with. I'm a Jew. I follow Moses. I'm not accepting the new covenant. Paul's saying that does not hold water in any way, form, or fashion. Quit saying that. The law is gone. We just read that verse. Jesus nailed it to the cross. Colossians 2.14 Luke 16.16 says the law and the prophets were until John and from that point forward the kingdom was preached and the whole world is pressing into it. May I emphasize the whole world. Everyone. That was in Luke. Still got the same problem here in Romans chapter 10. Individuals saying, I'm a little bit better than you because of my nationality. No, you're not. Jesus is better. We are His servants. Nationality doesn't matter. There is no difference in Jew and Gentile. Everyone can call on His name. How do you do that? By believing the words that are preached unto you. The whole counsel of God. I believe, I repent, I confess, and I'm baptized. Repentance was never mentioned here, but it's taught elsewhere. I believe the full counsel of God. Confession, again, was not mentioned. Acts chapter 2, repentance and baptism was. I believe the whole counsel of God. Confession was taught here. I will call according to the truth of what was taught unto me just like Paul and just like some 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. And how shall they call on Him they have not believed? Excellent question. And how shall they believe in Him if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? comes back to the beauty of the One who brings the message of the good news. We have one of those. Have you ever heard that? I've heard folks. we got a preacher at the congregation. I want you to know that every one of you are a preacher. May I let you know that? If you're a Christian, you are a minister of Christ. And the Great Commission comes to you. When alcohol sales were up on the ballot in Laurel County, the Mount Zion Church of Christ took out a newspaper article against alcohol sales. Did not think that was a great idea. The only reason the county wanted it was for money. We know that. That was the driving force. We have more money. Okay. So at the bottom it said, all ministers of the Mount Zion Church of Christ and the community could not figure that out. How many preachers do you have? We said about 200. Every Christian, number one, you're a priest, according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 
You can offer worship to God at any time, unlike the Old Testament, our high priest, our high priest is Christ. And you are a minister. Minister means servant. That's what that means. Now, there's different capacities. You may serve in a different capacities. And we respect the Bible guidelines on service, the roles that God has established, yet we are all servants. The office of deacon is an office of ministration. It's an office of servant to the physical needs of the congregation. We are all to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You do that by your mouth, by the life you live, by the example that you set. You're doing it this morning. Did you realize your neighbors know where you are? They saw you get up. They saw you come in at 9.30 for Bible study. Or 10.30 for the worship service. They know where you'll be tonight. You see, you're preaching. By your example. You're living the faith that you believe in. So the next time someone says to you, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not willing to respond, please remind them that you believe and you're going. And Jesus said to go into all the world. And that was given to every disciple. Disciple means learn follower. It's really what it means. Someone that's trying to learn to be like Christ. We'll pause right there, please. I apologize for being a little long-winded this morning, but I really enjoy that chapter. Preached it 20, 25, 100 times maybe in my life. Maybe that's an exaggeration. But can't wait to preach it again. There is beauty in the proclaimed Word of God. And please remember, our society is trying to get away from that. Our society wants entertainment, and games and fun and they want to bring that right into the church and they want to replace what they see as boring with what they see as fun if we abandon the preaching of God's word we abandon Romans chapter 10 we abandon the saving message of the truth the Bible says that God's word will not come back void I do not need to substitute for God's word I need to stand on God's Word. We change ourselves according to what the Bible has revealed. God's not changing for us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, He's holy and He's perfect and I'm not. And I need to strive to be like Him every day that I'm blessed I have. If you are present and you have a need to render faithful obedience, the terms of pardon have been laid out simply. Believe the preaching. Believe the Bible. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith. And be buried with Christ. He's there. Be buried with Christ. In the watery grave for the remission of your past sins. You will rise to walk in a newness of life. God will add you to His church. And you'll be ready to continue to live the faithful life. As you have embarked upon. If you're subject to the gospel invitation. It's our desire to assist you. If you've obeyed those commands, but you've not lived a life that brings glory and honor to your Lord, we want to assist you with that. Back to the straight and narrow walk of life. Or if you're present and you just desire the prayers of Christian people on your behalf, please allow us to assist you in any way we can scripturally as Brother Daniel comes to lead us in the song of encouragement.